sex matters, period. What? 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 Really? <laughs> I'm Judy. I'm Patricia. And this is the Sex Matters Podcast. Patricia, a sexual authenticity coach and a Jersey girl turned Minnesotan, and I, Judy, a health educator, advocate, and podcaster, a lifelong Minnesota girl, get together and talk about sex. We are replaying an episode that we did actually, that Patricia and I did from my wellness podcast. This is the this is the episode where I was introduced to you and got to learn about what you did. And it was so fantastic and exciting to learn that you existed in the world. Now we're replaying it for the Sex Matters podcast. And I am just wanting you, Patricia, to add because you have shifted and changed over time. So really the content of the podcast is all very much there and true. But you've been able to broaden your spectrum and kind of shifted the way you de- you define and describe yourself. So let's reintroduce you with that. Well, I appreciate that so much. Over the past three and a half to four years now, I guess, actually, I have been studying sexual authenticity and how that aligns with people's values and uh, what that means to owning yourself and your power sexually uh, and for yourself and in your relationship. And over the time that I've been doing this, I'm finding that more and more people are interested in the intimacy where I often speak about how sex and intimacy can be separated, but when you bring the two together, it's even better. And so what I've done is sort of shifted to becoming a relationship doula. And what that means is, is that we are constantly in a state of change. Our, our culture, you know, the only thing that's constant is change. And everything changes while we're living and are with our bodies and with our families and our jobs. All these things, there's constant change and transformation that's happening. We're also constantly in some form of a grief cycle, depending on what our, what our life looks like. And as a relationship doula, I am uh, able to help people with transition and help them move through their relationship together authentically and with intention to achieve whatever outcome they want. So to do that, I zoom out and I sort of mentor, mentor the couple individually and together, tell it like I see it with love and in- intuition, uh, and I read and teach about the language of energy. So I offer uh, virtual sessions, in-person sessions, and also I'm toying with a live-in option. Have you, if you've ever talked about uh, how you go to therapy or, and then you come home and he, acts, he or she acts totally different at home, there's this immersion kind of thing that I'm trying to, trying to flesh out right now. So um, it's kind of interesting how even in my life, as I'm learning and growing as an individual, that I this shift is happening in my brand. I'm still uh, very true to the idea of the power exchange and the idea that every relationship has dynamics that need to be paid attention to and the energy ebbs and flows. Um, and that's part of what I teach. So sexual authenticity will still be a huge part of what I teach a couple 
or individuals uh, about are they being true to that so that they can have an even more intimate relationship and know that they're living authentically and intentionally. Beautiful. I love it. Thanks. <laughs> it's been it's been quite quite a transition. Quite you know, as I'm uh, as I'm hosting groups on Facebook or as I'm talking to people about what I do, a lot of people get stumbled. They they get really a lot of people are already in relationships that that are drawn to me and what I do. They're already in relationships that are dysfunctional. So it made sense to me to create something where it's inclusive of both partners and I can help them then decide, am I going to move forward in this relationship that is not fulfilling me or am I going to move forward in a position where my spouse and I agree that it's time to go different directions. And even as a relationship doula, I can help through the divorce transition as well so that people can leave each other amicably. They understand the, the grief process and the cycle of loss that they're experiencing and uh, come out the other side as an independent, confident person who's authentic. Well, you are really good at being able to see multiple sides of things and asking really good questions to draw people out or just to get them thinking. So it's, it's, it's a, you know, in my mind, it's funny because in my mind, when we were talking, when I first met you and we were talking about the sexual authenticity piece, in my mind, that all stuff was just sort of all included in that just because mm. I see those things as so, like, it doesn't have to be, right? Like, if you're on your own, you're still, you're asking a lot of those questions about you and it's not just sex. Mm-hmm. It's, it's your life. That's, in, you know, it's all one thing and there may be the focus there, but it's still the bigger picture. And we miss that in our culture. We've divided it so much up. Uh, right. I think that, that it's, it's, we forget that or we're not allowed to, to see that or, or not encouraged to see that. So in my mind, all of these things were kind of in there, but I love that you are really able to put words to that and describe it and, and help people see that this is a kind of a holistic journey that they can be on with themselves or their partner or whatever. I am. I'm highly intuitive and I'm also a no bullshit kind of gal. So I just, I don't, I don't pull punches. You know, I will just seriously just call you out if, if it's, if I see something and some people really like that and some people don't, but when people don't, I'm also teaching them about their shadow side. I'm teaching them about blind spots in their personality. I'm teaching them. And, you know, those kind of things that, when people uh, need to be more aware of how they're impacting their their partner or their world, you know, their how their energy signature is expanding and what's being perceived as a result of their actions, whether it's their their forward side or their shadow side, you know, either way, we still are exuding energy through those things all the time. So I just really try to encourage people to uh, become more self aware, and then integrate that self-awareness with a partner where there's acceptance and connection and freedom of expression. It's quite a process sometimes to kind of peel away all of the limiting beliefs and judgments and assumptions that have been put on us from the time we were young children and brought up through our culture. The shoulds, coulds of all of our lives put layers of armor over us 
making us feel like sex is bad when sex in itself is neither good nor bad. It just is. And we need to come to an understanding of what it means to us so that we can move forward with love in all relationships. Hello, everyone. This is Judy with the Wellness Renaissance podcast. Thank you so much for listening. The voice you just heard was Patricia Engelking, and she is a sexual authenticity coach. And we're going to talk about exactly what that means and how she got there through her life. She actually has a book that talks about, and she's going to talk about this a little bit in our discussion, but it talks about her history of being in an abusive marriage for 25 years and being a very faithful and loyal wife and then moving out of that to a very different world. And as you hear from the clip, she's talking about her philosophy and what she has learned and gained through her time exploring and learning after her divorce. And now she spends her time working with other people, helping them find not only really their sexual authenticity, but their authenticity in general. And those two things kind of go hand in hand. And she's definitely going to talk about that and and does in that first clip that you just heard. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. This is a topic that I just think is so incredibly important. And I think our culture and our education around it has done so many people such disservice. And I just really think that we can do so much better in general, for ourselves, affecting our culture, affecting the individuals and the big picture. And we just don't have, in many cases, we don't have a great opportunity to have some of these discussions to be able to really understand different points of view and perceptions and get the deeper understanding of where people are at and the things that people have experienced, because it's just not okay to talk about in so many cases. So, I love the work that she's doing and I've had a chance to spend a little bit of time with her and I'm just excited about the authenticity and transparency that she's able to have with such passion and thoughtful intention. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I do and find it as thought provoking as I have. One thing I want to mention before we dive in is that we do talk openly and candidly and so this is probably one podcast that is probably not safe for work in most workplaces, might start some interesting discussions and depends on how comfortable you are with your coworkers. So just wanted to toss that out there. And as far as kids go, well, I'm going to leave that up to you. I don't think there was a swear word that was uttered. There were a couple times anatomically correct body parts were mentioned. And I can pretty much tell you if the average kid is having sex by 13, they're way ahead of this game. And this is probably a more productive conversation than they're going to get on the average television show. So that's all up to you. Let's head on in with Patricia. I am super excited to have you, Patricia, with me today. We're going to talk about what you do and how you got there. You are a sexual authenticity coach. Yes, I am. And what exactly does that does that mean? Let's start there. Let's start with that. Sexual authenticity is not so much what you do, but why you do it and owning your actions. So being in awareness of your sexual needs, wants, desires, and 
being strong enough and confident enough in your actions that after it's all said and done, you're not shameful about what you did. You take away learning experiences from everything you do, and you have the power to say whether you would ever do it again or not. So it it includes that exploration of figuring out what is authenticity to you. Absolutely. Sex is just a part of our life. So being a sexual authenticity coach, oftentimes in sessions, other parts of people's lives come into play because it all affects our sexual life and our ability to be present and aware and conscious of our choices. So when we have heavy things going on in other areas of our life, sometimes they need to be coached through as well, just to get to a raw place where there's the ability to make space for new exploration and awareness. So it's it's quite a process sometimes to kind of peel away all of the limiting beliefs and judgments and assumptions that have been put on us from the time we were young children and brought up through our culture. The shoulds, coulds of all of our lives put layers of armor over us, making us feel like sex is bad. When sex in itself is neither good nor bad, it just is. And we need to come to an understanding of what it means to us so that we can move forward with love in all relationships. About finding our joy and the things that please us and excite us. Correct. And, and yeah, and thinking of like what you're saying when it comes to it affects all parts of our life, all parts of our life affect it. And I think we, we live in a culture where we kind of don't want to think about that, or we don't really accept that in some ways as truth. We accept sex and sexuality as like this thing over here, but it's made up of all the beliefs we have about so many things yeah. that go into that. Or a lot of times it's maybe in our own head, it's more made up of those actual beliefs, but we haven't been able to think about that, explore that enough because we've been told by our culture what it's supposed to be and we're trying to live in that space. Sure. Now, I mean, let's let's think about this. If you go back to, I'll just say 20 years ago, when I'd be sitting around having a conversation with my family, the three things you didn't talk about were politics, religion, and sex. Mm-hmm. They were the three taboos. Nowadays, everybody talks about politics Religion is pretty open door. Everybody has their views on things, but sex is still very taboo. People do not do not want to be accepting and open to various ways of looking at sexuality. I'm not going to go down the road of the labeling path because labels really just limit us. Um, It's more, again, about what it means to you as an individual and then owning that and moving forward with it in other parts of your life. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and, and... And again, we, we have a culture that, like you're saying, we, we don't get to explore that and we don't get to verbalize that. And how do many of us figure stuff out? But by verbalizing and talking and when you get into a, a group of people where it isn't taboo and where it mm. is comfortable, it is a much, A, it's a different conversation and it's a different energy and you walk away feeling like this kind of weight has been lifted yes, because you're able to express that and explore it verbally. I've found through my exploration and experience that people who are open sexually and authentic with themselves and what they need and want are some of the most open and honest people that you can have a conversation with because they're totally vulnerable and yet they're confident 
it's an amazing uh, an amazing meeting of two very strong traits vulnerability and confidence that come together for people to be able to own themselves and be like I don't care what you think about me this is who I am I'm not afraid to talk about it if it doesn't gel with you then we just you know put that in your back pocket and walk away with it later Mm-hmm. Talk, you deal with yourself about it. But for me, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to keep things tucked underneath, uh, you know, under the bed like the monster uh, when we're kids, you know, <laughs> because that's really what it comes out to be. A lot mm-hmm. of people who repress and repress and repress their desires and stuff, it comes out sideways in affairs or it comes out sideways in like just convoluting relationships and stuff. I'd even say one of the areas that we do talk about sex now, say in the workplace, is the Me Too movement Mm -hmm. and harassment. Mm -hmm. This is a very challenging area for people to tread through because oftentimes we are in a process of owning our sexuality. And because it's so taboo to talk about it, people don't know how to relate to each other anymore. Everybody's faces are in screens. You know, they're not talking to each other. They're not having conversations about likes, dislikes, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Instead, it's all just kind of bottled up and then it comes out. And whether it was received or not received, whether it was flirtatious or not flirtatious, it doesn't matter because it's still a taboo subject and it makes it bad. And we have that bad, shameful label again about sexuality, which just pushes it down further and makes it more of a subject we can't talk about. Right. I really try to have a safe, open, playful space through sessions on the phone or via, you know, internet, you know, Skype or hangouts, whatever. And occasionally I'll meet with people, but usually it's just more of me getting like the read on them, more of my intuition based counseling, consulting part where you just kind of are like figuring out, well, what exactly is going on here? You know, sometimes you have to cut the BS and really get to the bottom of something. So when things may not be progressing, I want people to get their money's worth. I ultimately want people to find themselves and to be happy, confident individuals in their sexuality. So my ultimate goal is progress regardless. Then everybody wins. Yes. Win, 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 win. Everybody wins. Yeah. And there's orgasms everywhere and we're all happy. You know? <laughs> How much Virtual happier? Or real. Well, it doesn't matter because that's the thing. Once you once you are so aware of your sexuality, you then can transcend the energy from having to be in a relationship where there's touch to actually being able to channel your energy in a way where you feel the endorphins, you feel the the rush, the energy, the vibrations like an orgasm without having to have an orgasm. You can hang in this place Mm. of high energy because you're free. Mm -hmm. Freedom does that. Freedom allows you to be, be happy, joyful, blissful, all of those kind, loving, open, by not repressing this very important part of your life. Well, we think of 
in general, living in integrity Mm -hmm. and living our, you know, authentic self, our transparent self. And when we are able to do that, when we're in a space, when we can do that, we feel amazing and like nothing's going to stop us. Right. I mean, we feel very powerful. Right. And so when you could have that experience sexually, whether it's an actual act Mm -hmm. or whether it's a conversation, communication or connecting with somebody, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, just right there with it as well. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't even have to be in a relationship. I honestly want people to understand that your sexuality is owned by you yourself. It's a, it's an I thing. And you know what? Focusing on yourself every once in a while is not a bad thing either. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not supposed to self satisfy. We're not so masturbate. We're not supposed to touch ourselves. We're not supposed to have food gasms at the table, you know, you eat something and you're like, oh my God, that's so good. And you start to drool. Well, you know what? Mind blown. You just had a mini orgasm. You know, it just, you get in touch with all these different senses and parts of your body that make you a sensual, sexual person. And then you exude this confidence and this intimacy that people then are attracted to. And it draws in like forces it draws in other people who are also open other people who are also charged in this way that there's this static this feeling this energy about you because you have the authenticity of your sexual essence you know who you are that's a lot yeah it's great i love it so let's let's step back a little bit Mm-hmm. And let's go to, let's talk about how you got here. What brought you to this place? You have a pretty interesting journey of getting here. Yes. Well, I feel like my whole life has been leading me to right where I am now. My entire life, I've always approached things from a learning standpoint. Even as a child, I was always experimenting, learning, building, like building blocks, foundational type things. But I had to go through a lot of the things that everybody else goes through, of course. You know, my life experiences as a child was moving all over the place. I never had, like, true friends in a neighborhood where I was there from the time I was born. You know, like, we moved all the time. So I had to make friends. I had to be outgoing. I had to be... I had to be a good girl because I needed to help with the moves. I needed to help with my little sister who was a brat and I needed to do and I needed to do. And I, my, my dad always wanted a son. And so I stepped into the, his daddy's girl role where I would earn his affection by doing things that a boy would do, you know, fishing and hunting and all this stuff. As I got away from that, um, My parents went through a divorce. Uh, It was very traumatic for me in my teenage years. And then beyond that, I was just a very, very uh, introspective person thinking I had done something wrong and that I had caused this breakup of my parents and all that kind of jazz because that's what we do as children. We start putting up walls around protecting us from the hurts and the things that we've seen and experienced and we start to make things our fault so we don't go back there and do it again we start looking for those patterns and those things that bring us joy or acceptance um i fell in love lust is what i call it now uh, with a boy at 17 
he was very much like my dad in a lot of ways. And he was very much not like my dad in a lot of ways. And I was very confused, but I wanted out of my house. And so I went. I did it. And that was the beginning of 25 years with a narcissist, abusive emotionally and mentally for a very, very long time as I was growing and determining what relationships were supposed to look like, what uh, what I was supposed to do as a 20-year-old, what I was supposed to do as a 30-year-old. I tried all the different avenues of my life, like having children, having the house, having a career, being involved in church, being involved in school, going back to school. I tried all the things, but I wasn't happy. And through all of that, sex was at the bottom of the list, and my ex-husband used it as a manipulation against me. I did not even know what an orgasm was to have myself until I was 40 years old. Mm. I had had them probably as a kid, you know, riding on the seat of my banana bike or, or playing around with girlfriends or doing, you know, doing the naughty things that were, you know, exploratory. But, you know, it wasn't until I had to sneak off in the middle of the night into a bathroom to satisfy myself and then flush the toilet and go back to bed, Mm -hmm. that I realized something was really, really wrong with this picture. Really wrong. Why is sex so shameful? Why is this not something that is a priority for me, for him, for us? Uh, I wrote a book about all of this, a lot more detail, a lot more stories about the abuse and stuff in the past. But at some point, I did decide that I needed to break free of all this, and that was at the point of a nervous breakdown where I just had had enough and everything was coming down on me like a piece of coal, you know, all the pressure and the the soot and the dirtiness and all the everything was just so much pressure. And uh, then I decided it was time to get out of the marriage. It took me a few years. I had to come up with a plan. I had to make steps. And then I needed a point in my life to say, that's it, I'm done. When I left him, this is the juicy part. <laughs> so that the, all of that really was the culmination of seeing the need for exploring my sexual authenticity because mm-hmm. I knew it was a part of me and I had tackled all of these other parts of me and I was not fulfilled. When I, when I divorced my ex-husband, I decided I wasn't going to get in another relationship until I figured this out because I didn't think that was fair. I didn't think it was fair to go into a relationship with somebody and me not know what I wanted or needed. It's like taking a, a cow to slaughter. I mean, like, honestly, <laughs> I, I really, I'm a very analytical thought. I, you know, I think things out and I would hate to get emotionally involved with somebody and then be let down yet again sexually and not have my needs met. So this was really important. And I decided I was going to give myself a year to explore all things sexual, everything I could possibly think of that I felt was safe. Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. Things that I was curious about, power dynamics, which I find fascinating. And I started, I, again, it's in all in the book, but it was... Um, like a timeline of starting out on my phone, you know, with Mm -hmm. really casual, short, flirtatious, 
fun little stories and pictures and that sort of thing. And then from there, it went to online, like, dominant relationships Mm -hmm. where they were kind of telling me what they wanted me to do in a day. And I kind of really dug it because I didn't want to have to think about what color panties to wear that day. You know, they, you know, it was all kind of taken, it just lightened my load and it was just something fun that sort of spurred the creativity of the whole process. Then from there, I went to actually meeting some people and then I went to parties and then I went to not just parties, but I went to swinger parties and I went to BDSM parties and I went to kink parties and I... I went through all of this stuff with a very analytical mind, not diving in to participate, but going from a place of observation Mm -hmm. because I wanted to know what about that do I like? Does this trip my trigger? Am I doing this for me or am I doing this for him or her? Mm -hmm. You know, like I really, after I would go and do some of these things, I'd sit in my car and I'd just think like, wow kudos to me for going in the first place (laughs) Mm -hmm. and watching all those men with their party socks on, you know, but wow, you just did that like a shock afterward, like, and then trying to take a takeaway away from it. It came to a point where it was not so much what would I do, Mm -hmm. but what wouldn't I do? Mm -hmm. It was a huge shift because I began to accept everybody for what made them tick. Mm -hmm. If this brings you joy and happiness, you know, if you like being in chastity and that really trips your trigger and gives you fulfillment and draws your relationship together with your mistress or what, more power to you. That's fantastic. I'm happy. For me, I'm not really big on chastity. I'd much rather have orgasms whenever I want, (laughs) you know? So, you know, it was that kind of a thing. I won't. One of my hard limits is not hanging from a ceiling on hooks. Hmm. But I but I did get my tongue pierced. I did get my, can I say clit on the radio? Um, you, yeah, actually, on a podcast, you can okay, say whatever there you, you want go. to. I had my clit pierced. <laughs> so there's just, um, you know, there's, there's ways to explore safely, curiously, playfully, without being totally involved, unless you want to be. Mm-hmm. And it's really about finding the people that are accepting and being able to talk about it and exploring how you feel about things and why or why not something is acceptable. I have lots of lots of stories of people that I met along my journey this, this summer of exploration, which I now call my sexual revolution. It was so intense and I just, I did so many crazy fun things. There were some crazy, scary things that happened, too. There was a point where I was taken advantage of where it was a non-consensual kind of a situation. It scared me. Mm-hmm. It scared me, but I w- that will never happen to me again. This is where I'm saying, you know, it wasn't that I didn't try. I was taken advantage of, and therefore, no one will take advantage of me again. This will be very clear and upfront, or it won't happen. That's pretty much the, the way it goes. Learning to have safe boundaries around yourself. When I And when I say boundaries, boundaries are self-imposed for safety. But being willing to take risks in the name of exploration, it's a balance. Mm-hmm. There's a real balance there. You don't have to go jump off of a bridge 
to get the feeling of falling off of an eight-foot wall. You know, there's like, (laughs) I mean, it's kind of similar. You just, you do things according to what's comfortable for you, and then maybe you push a little bit further the next time or you stretch your rubber band a little more. I'm very, very interested in people that want to find themselves. I'm, I have this strong desire and passion to help people find themselves so that they can be true in their relationships going forward. And I think it's, it's interesting as I'm, as I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm thinking of, you know, you're a more mature person doing this exploration, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got some life behind you. Right. And many people want to be brave enough to do this kind of research (laughs) when they're younger, right? Right. Right. And it's, but, but we, again, it's, it's frowned upon, very frowned upon. We're not able to talk about it. And so when you do it, you, you almost, you, the general, you, many people Mm -hmm. in trying to figure it out, take chances because they don't know that there are safer avenues, right? So it's like, I'm thinking of like, you're talking about the kink community and the swinging community where Mm -hmm. if you're in a good space with that, the people in those communities take care of you because they want it to be a good and safe community. Exactly. And when you don't know that that's available or how to access it, then you're taking chances and not knowing, you know, in a sense, you need a guide, right? right. I mean, right. we kind of frown upon those cultures where there is a sexual guide because it usually sounds really creepy. Yeah. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's at the same time, if you can look at it differently and in a place where, you know, it's, it's not the, it's not the father or it's not the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If we could do that more open eyed and more just generally saying, I want to do this and having somebody help us figure that out instead of having to hide it, right? go behind and can't tell anybody because you're so afraid of what somebody might say if they were to ever find out. Mm -hmm. And so people, I think, take so many chances that they don't have to take right because of our society and culture and then i know somebody would look at that well again if you put the judgment on it well you're doing a quote-unquote bad thing but my goodness where do you you know where do you draw the line right exactly i mean we have how many people are in marriages that they're not happy with that they're sexually not happy with and they're screaming internally and sometimes externally Mm -hmm. i'm I'm thinking there are many people if they have the opportunity to be themselves and explore, their whole relationship would be changed. Totally Completely changed. changed. Right. I mean, think about the fact that, you know, we are sexual creatures. We come from a sexual act. Even Petri dish babies, there's still sperm that's coming from a man's penis. Mm -hmm. And there's an egg coming from a woman's ovary. It's still sex. I don't care. I mean, it's not, it's creation. Creation comes through the act of sex and it happens all throughout nature. You see it everywhere, right? Right here is a great place to talk about not labeling or judging people because this isn't about when I say the semen and ovary. I'm not talking about that there can't be women and women, that there can't be, you know, transgender people, that there can't, you know, I am accepting of all types of people, the whole umbrella. I have many clients that are transgenders 
going from one sex to the other and trying to understand what it means to be sensual or what it means to carry yourself this way. You know, I mean, these are, they're very sexually intimate topics that Mm -hmm. people just don't talk to everybody about. So when we're talking about sex being part of our nature, I just want to say that we need to investigate why we're not connecting with our truth because that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Why do we say that we're not sexual? Why do we hide behind closed doors? Why do women hide their vibrators in mm-hmm. their nightstand? Mm-hmm. Why do men go to prostitutes? Why is there sex trafficking? Well, you know, this is really, it's really, really because of the repression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these other cultures where sex is just very open and, you know, parents walk around their house naked in front of their children and, and stuff all the time, it becomes so normalized that it's not taboo anymore. And they're very functional. <laughs> they're functional family units. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot lower divorce rate in those countries. I mean, I can get you the facts and stuff to back all that up. For the purpose of this podcast, I just want to say that the release of sexual tension through orgasm, masturbation, you know, with a mate, however you want to do it, clears your energy, clears your thoughts, increases productivity, helps you to have a level head and not be quite as emotional. It has so many scientific pluses to it to be in, in touch with this part of your body. And I'm not just saying that everybody needs to go and, and jerk off somewhere. That's, you know, <laughs> that would not be as productive. Right. But what I am saying is, is that when people do explore this part of their life and they're more accepting and they make it more of a priority, it comes out in other ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just the, just the inability to talk about things. Yeah. And the I think of alcohol mm. and how many kids go to college and they've never been allowed to have alcohol or taste alcohol. And then I think of the kids who did. That's one one thing my parents did really, really well. They didn't make alcohol a big, horrible taboo and it wasn't such a big deal. And when I turned 21, it was like, whatever, you know? And I think, and I know from knowing people who have grown up with abstinence only, for mm. instance, or just having it, even if it wasn't that, but very just not allowed to talk about. It. I mean, in my own house, it was something that was not allowed to be discussed. And even the even the biology pieces of it were not okay or comfortable and, and wasn't information wasn't given accurately. And mm. it was just made, everything was made to feel very uncomfortable. And, and then I think of when kids go to college and all of a sudden there's freedom or, or they get their first partner and they don't have a clue what they're doing because they're just, and I'm not even saying physically the act of, but the emotionally equipped of being able to talk about it. And then everybody feels weird and nobody talks about it. And the awkwardness and shame about talking around sex right. is absurd. And right, and women have, I mean, women have been taught you're, you're not allowed to hardly have desires or then all of a sudden you get somebody who, you know, a partner who wants you to express it and you're like, mm-hmm. well, I, even if you have them, it's uncomfortable right. because what there's not they this think place. think of me? What if they don't like what I do? Exactly. What if 
what if, what if. You know what that is? That's our inner critic. We all have an inner prude and an inner slut. That's what I think. Like the good Mm -hmm. and the little angel and devil on our shoulders. And I think so many times we just kind of, you know, we've locked up the inner slut and she's like, doesn't have a voice Mm -hmm. anymore. Like, don't even listen to her. But then you've got the inner prude who's there like, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You'll be judged. What happens if he doesn't love you anymore? Because... What happens if they make fun of you because what about your body don't you like that someone's going to see? What if you gag while you're giving a blowjob? I mean, like, <laughs> right. so right. much. Right, but, so the, but those much. are things that nobody talks about. And no. there's fear. I mean, yeah. how many women are scared mm-hmm. of because of the unknown? Because you're so afraid to make a mistake. There's the know? fear. The fear of the unknown Fear of failure, fear fear of rejection, fear of loss, and there's one more. (laughs) One more that I think about all the time. Oh, um, it'll come to me. Dagnabbit. But those are the big ones. The ones uh, with the fear of rejection, the fear Mm -hmm. of loss, is that my actions will somehow make me less attractive or less wanted. Right, right. Well, and you think about how, you know, first of all, as women especially women, we're told we're not supposed to be sexual. We're always told how men are more sexual beings than women are. Mm. And not looking at the differences, but just... So then if you are sexual or want to be sexual, almost have to be perfect. And yeah. then you you know that, that there's the porn thing, too. So there's um, so much judgment around yourself it, yeah. or potentially coming towards you about being that, right? right? right. So it's... You know, and then we live in this weird culture where we have your television sex sells like yeah. no secret. Yep. So it's all over the place. So when, when like when you're talking about repression, I can imagine some people going, "Well, what do you mean we're repressed? Oh, yes. We're completely confused." Yes, because we have naked women or half-dressed women all the time on television, all on over the place, billboards, but, right? On every, uh, yeah, everything. And but nobody is addressing. Or very few people are, are addressing what that actually means, and and how do we, what does that carry over into our lives, and that that is a, a fake thing, mm. but we are real people. Yes, There's real right. stuff going on in here, and and just the honesty aspect. I was having a conversation a while back about somebody who was saying we were having the discussion about the concept of, for instance, open marriages or open relationships. Oh yes, and how we live in a culture. If you're going out with somebody while they're married and you're cheating and then you maybe end up together with that person, mm-hmm. it's more acceptable to do that yeah. than it is to have an open relationship. That creeps people out. Being open and honest is more uncomfortable for people than cheating and then, you know, then it's, oh, you didn't know what you wanted. Then you found this person. They fulfilled you. Yay, it was love. And then yeah. they got married instead of going, well, no, we can all just talk about this right. and be open and honest and I think that oftentimes sex and love get kind of muddled together in a very unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Sex is very much very primal. I mean, think about, you know, <laughs> have you ever watched National Geographic when they, <laughs> you know, when a lion is taken down a, a lioness mm-hmm. to for the sake of procreation mm-hmm. and it's a pretty gruesome almost violent act, but 
this beautiful little cub comes out of it and, you know, and she's fulfilled and she, you know, all that sort of stuff. You know, religion, and I don't really want to go off on a huge tangent, but religion has really skewed a whole lot of the views because of from the time we're small, we're taught that sin is bad, sin is bad, sin is bad. But then when it, and you're supposed to wait to have sex until after you're married and the husband is then elevated almost to a level of being a god and the wife or a future wife you know the betrothed is considered to be the temple mm-hmm. and he is going to enter the temple mm-hmm. however eve or females in lots of religions are deemed the road to to sin that she is going to take you down that path mm-hmm. and then how can this man who I'm supposed to marry and I'm supposed to love commit such sin against me by doing this carnal thing of the sexual act to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's so convoluted. It's such a, like you said, very confusing. And then you add on all of the social stuff on the outside. You you know, you do uh, an amazing thing that I'm seeing now is the generational shifts. Mm-hmm. I love generational studies. So mm. you look at the baby boomer generation or you look at the generation even before the baby boomers. They were fantastic at buying into institutions, you know, like their job, their, you know, their career was an institution their church was an institution, their schooling was an institution, you know, they bought, the government was an institution, and they were all in. Mm-hmm. Then you come into our generation, Generation X, which I think we messed up everything, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, we saw the fall of all of that, and we saw how it affected our parents, and how it affected us, because we were raised in all of that. Now what? Mm-hmm. That's where it all started to come apart is when we want better for our kids. We want more the so much freedom. Everything everybody has so much freedom at their fingertips with the use of the internet and the smartphones and everything. There's so much freedom. So when you talk about porn, everybody knows how to access porn. Mm-hmm. You have to put blocks on little kids' phones to make <laughs> right? sure that they're not going to sites they shouldn't be. Because if they look up lollipop in a search, mm-hmm. it can bring up a porn site. Right. You know, so there's all this freedom without an awakening. So that's the problem. That's the right. part that's missing. Right. In this generation that's coming up now, they haven't had their awakening yet to know why is this important? How is this impacting me? It's just there. Right. And they're, they're, I'm, gonna, I'm very interested in how that's going to play out 10 years from now, where the dynamics are going to be. Because a lot of people who are contacting me at this point are in their, usually around 40s to 50s. They're just trying, they're shaking off the, their parents are passing. Mm-hmm. So they don't feel like they're tied to that anymore. Uh-huh. And they're looking at the future and all of this stuff. And they're like, what the heck? I don't want to go down that path, but I certainly want to do different than what my parents did. So where does that leave me? So confused. Right. What am I supposed to do? Right. All you can do is be one with your truth. Getting centered with your own authentic self and your relationship with sex is what will then free you to make the right choices going forward. It's interesting because I'm I'm thinking 
of even that piece for many people would be the whole, but how do I even do that? And mm. what, what do I think about? What do I, cause I think I'm thinking of how people are trying to do things differently. And some of the things that, that I've heard people say that I, that I, that it's, it's the, okay, we're going forward or the younger generation is thinking, mm-hmm. um, for instance, just a couple examples. Cause these just struck me when you were talking, okay. um, I, I listened to this Colin show. And so one guy calls in and he's talking about, you know, I'm, I'm married to this woman. We just got married and I love her and blah, blah, blah. And, and they're, you know, they had a sexual relationship, but he was very stuck in the kind of the Madonna whore complex. Okay. This is my, how can I do the things to this woman that I want, that I did to all these other girls that I went out with, but I'm not fulfilled. So what do I do? And the question was here, you've got this, this wife, and this woman that you love and mm-hmm. clearly love her, how are you thinking about those girls that you were able to do those things yeah. to? Yeah. You know, so what, what, what thoughts were you having about them? What was it about that that really turned you on? Right. And then how do you bridge? And I think the question sometimes is how you bridge that. We get stuck in the, because it's an easy one to use, the Madonna whore yeah. complex and don't know how to get out of it. And that's why, like you're saying, Owning our owning our sexuality, learning this stuff before we get into a relationship, mm-hmm. we can get into the relationship with the person more knowledgeable instead of each trying to fit each other and make each other, quote unquote, happy. But you come to it in a more knowing place right now. People, I think, are trying to adjust. Right. right. And it's not necessarily it may be working in some cases and not so much in others. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it is definitely uh, a trial and error kind of thing, uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of trial by fire. Or I, I really strongly stress communication with a partner. I'm usually speaking with individuals, but I do work with couples sometimes. Working with couples is basically me working with two individuals and then them merging that together through conversation mm-hmm. and structured structured play times where they're they actually know that they're going in in a playful, curious type of way. So it is not um, it is not an easy thing to come to terms with your own sexuality when you're in a relationship, long-term relationship where there are set roles. It makes it, it makes it a little more challenging. But that does not mean it can't be right addressed. It can't be communicated. Or even in sometimes, like you say, they can try and make an adjustment in their relationship. This whole idea of the hot wife movement, which is couples that are very, very sexual, and the the man is usually more of a dominant type personality, and the wife has more sexual propensity, like she really needs sex a lot to fulfill her, mm-hmm. and she really enjoys it. It's almost like a pimping kind of situation within a marriage, but they communicate. It's all consensual. Mm. They come back together and they're both turned on by the, I mean, it's a very fascinating thing to look at psychologically and it works for them. And they're ultimately like crazy in love with each other Mm -hmm. because sex is not a barrier. Sex is something they've worked through and it's, it's like sex is a vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. And you choose what you're going to drive. <laughs> and, and an orgasm is having that oneness with the vehicle. It's like, you know, when you're in that driving experience, like the NASCAR racers, and they're in the zone, and they're coming around the bend and passing the finish line. 
it's becoming one with the vehicle, one with the car. Everybody has a different type of vehicle they like. Some people like an SUV. Some people want a sports car. You know, some people want to go zero to 100 like that. And other people need to kind of covered wagon. And that's fine, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. But sex is really meant to be a tool. It's meant to be something that we do, that we acknowledge and we recognize as part of our, our being. And then it transcends into the love feelings, the giving, the the love for all, the peace. All of that sort of stuff comes beyond being sexually satisfied often. Not for everybody, but often. Mm-hmm. That's where the sex just matters so much. Just think how much happier the world would be if people were more talking more about sex and communicating their desires and needs in a constructive, safe, playful way. Right. You know, I don't, I'm not condoning rape or sex, you know, non-consensual sex or just taking someone because you're horny. That's not what I'm talking about at all. It's very much a, it's very much a meditative type of situation. When you're having sex, you should almost be in a meditative state. Mm. So present, so aware of your five senses that you lose track of time and space and you're just there in the moment. Whether it's you're doing it yourself or someone else is doing it for you, whether it's oral, whether it's you know anal, whatever, it doesn't matter. Be present in the moment take it all in and enjoy the ride. I mean, like talk, say what you need. If you like, you know, I have this one fella who's like, I'd really love to, to pull my wife's hair. I'm like, well, pull her hair a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) He's like, but she might get mad. I'm like, well, try pulling her hair when you're giving her a kiss and see what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, try just grabbing a little hair at the back of the neck and just, you know, like, come here, baby. See what happens. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's progressions. There's ways to do things where it's not aggressive, but you can be assertive. You can say what you need or want when you talk about sex and if somebody can't talk about sex, have them call me. Because <laughs> I'll talk about sex all day long and I won't have a choice till we're all said and done. Like you say, the whole kind of coming together with your, you know, being in it and, and, and being able to verbally communicate and then to be able to be in the act of either sex or even just affection. Mm-hmm. Just, it, it brings everything the to intimacy. a whole new yes. level of, of connectedness and knowing of each other and understanding mm-hmm. each other. And yeah, so I can imagine that. It's interesting to me that you work with not so many couples. Like, I would think that that would be such a huge thing, but I can also imagine that it, it might be one person saying, I need this. Yeah. And coming to you to say, help you know but to have somebody facilitate the couple's conversation right even i'm not even just thinking of a couple where you're the kind of one of the partners is kind of being drug right i'm thinking both people are like 
we're, we got to, we, we want to do this. We want a better connection. We want a better relationship. Help us facilitate even just saying the words to each other. Cause sometimes that's the stumbling block. Yeah, it is it's the hardest part. Getting the language out of your mouth. Or if you know that the other person isn't comfortable with that, and you're like, how do you get over these humps? So having another person there, I can imagine would be just could be could be really helpful because it would really be awkward, but you know what purpose you're there for, right? So you can just kind of okay, or this is just all going to feel weird for everybody right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's just get it out there. Let's get it We're going to talk about sex. Well, Let's think, do it, right? And right. I'm thinking again, we put all these these language barriers, and then not to mention the cultural judgment. Mm-hmm. But when you've got somebody, male or female, who has been sexually taken advantage of oh, yes. in some way to talk about it and 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 I've never been a guy so yeah. <laughs> but as a female to talk about it is so the words are so hard because you're so and again that culture of being female and there's kind of this protection about don't you know we have this weird thing protect her mm-hmm. but when something happens there's sometimes the blame that comes yes. towards her or, you know, because now all of a sudden we're she comfortable hearing it. the language. She, or she must wanted have. She must have she done something. She shouldn't dress that way. Exactly. She shouldn't have made eyes at, you know, oh, she was, she, when she said that it was flirtatious, she wanted it, you know, and again, it comes back to judgment where people are looking to blame people and say that sex is bad. So when a sexual act happens, somebody has to have blame because then that makes it bad. And it comes from a, the judgment comes from a place of ignorance most times, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. People who have just done things the same way all the time, all their life, Mm -hmm. and can't see outside of a box or can't see outside of lines or have never dipped a toe into a pond of something different. Mm -hmm. So they're just very close-minded. Right. I'd love to work more with couples that are interested in trying something new together and kind of getting over the fear of just playing in it. You know, like I can get people plugged into a whole lot of different cultures at the, you know, sex cultures at this point, because I have connections in all different areas. And when people come to me and, and this one couple has come to me and they're interested in trying swinging. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. What have you, you know, what have you looked into about swinging? You know, why is it interesting to you? What are you hoping to get out of it? How will you feel when? You know, these are the kind of questions that you have to approach ahead of time. And then after you go to a swinging event or you've, you know, dabbled in it with another couple, then you have to come back and be able to talk about feelings after it happens. Mm-hmm. So what was it about this partner that you liked? What would you like for me to possibly do that was similar? Are there emotional feelings tied to the act of sex? Because that's another big thing. Some people are just able to have sex as sex. It's just an act. It's just a physical thing. Other people really need a connection to fire their brain to be able to get off in a sexual situation. Mm -hmm. So the spectrum of people's needs and wants varies so very much and I guess maybe that's why it's hard for people to talk about because they don't want to be judged for their way of coming to the table yeah it's a sad it's a sad state of affairs when people can't just say 
hey, I really get turned on by somebody who can stimulate me mentally. Well, if you're sitting at a table with a guy who just wants to sharpen a pencil all day long, you know that's not the guy for you. You know, you just, you have to have some smarts about it. You've got to be able to discern for yourself what's a good match, what's not a good match. What do people show on the outside that might reveal something about how they feel on the inside? And then having a conversation with them. Maybe the guy who likes to sharpen the pencil all day is because he's deep in thought and Mm -hmm. he's very smart and very intellectual and is just looking for somebody to have a conversation with. That's where the risk comes in. Do you risk going up and talking to him? He's not going to bite you. (laughs) But, But how do you talk? You don't talk about sex the first time you talk to somebody. You know, you have to break the ice and all that kind of stuff. I think sex should be part of maybe like the, the second conversation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, put it out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they're scared, see ya. Bye. <laughs> You're not for me. Uh, or, you know, if they're interested and they want to learn more, it can add to some of the foreplay. It can add to some of the tension and stuff that builds in a, you know, right. a relationship the flirtatiousness and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't have to be wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, right out the gate, but maybe have those conversations to let them know it's important, mm-hmm. you know? So, right, right. Well, and like you say, the communicating about sex in general, you know, is that something that is a deep, you know, their communication style, is it a deep part of who they are, or mm-hmm. are they really willing to? be on the same level right you know right. even if they're maybe not there but to get there and so yeah it's a it, it is amazing to me how many people are in relationships who have never had conversations about sex and Isn't sexuality that crazy? it always blows my mind and it's you know again <laughs> it speaks a lot to our culture of the weirdness of i, I think there's that sort of unevenness of of how we see men and women and, you know, I, I work with men, with men's groups, and men sometimes will talk about it. I mean, they very much have, I mean, not all of them, but some, have the idea of, you know, well, if she slept with me on the first date, she's definitely not marriage material. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. Like, and you slept with her on the first date? Yeah, you that's just, right. Do you ever yeah. think about that? And it's, well, it it's different for a guy. And sure. it's like, ah, that always makes me crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it's it different for a guy. And it's like, okay, women are also trying to make men happy they're trying to find their place in the world and they're trying to figure themselves out and in many cases don't have language either so it's not it's a a problem for all of us it is you know it is and but it is our culture keeps feeding some of these things that do not promote us having these conversations and 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 trying to figure it out and give women some you know women are definitely taking their power I think a little bit more and saying you know no these are these are my boundaries and this is what I want and Mm -hmm. but I but I'm always fascinated with just putting women in a kind of a different picture of 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 how we're supposed to act in the world but then when we acquiesce to what they want that then again we're bad and judged Mm -hmm. and so it's like how do we how do we meet up if we keep those Mindsets and don't open up and say, okay, well, we're going to do this differently or we're going to let's sit down and talk about this before we get into this relationship. Right. Now, uh, you know, I was mentioning to you earlier that because I'm a writer, I have all these little analogies or metaphors or whatever. Yeah. I have this one that I used to train dogs also, right? 
Cool. And <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of talking to people and, and even through sexual behaviors and stuff. It's going to sound terrible, but dog training is it's kind of positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that sort of stuff. And it happens in sex with couples, too, mm-hmm. where if, you know, if as women we're not willing to say, oh, that feels good, do more of that, mm-hmm. good boy. <laughs> yeah, a stroke, give a little stroke of the ego. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Do more of that. Mm-hmm. You can't expect to be satisfied if you don't give the information to the person who's trying to please you. Mm-hmm. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? And then on the other side of that is that our culture has gotten so hard. I think that where you're saying women have taken their power back. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have. And we've taken our power over a lot of men. And, and some of us have, some of us emasculate some of our men, you know, just by being... Um, very in our male energy because everybody has female and male energy in in one person. So mm-hmm. you're yin and yang, and you know all of that. We have feminine qualities and male qualities. That dominance is considered a male quality. Nurturing is considered a female quality. Whether that's right or wrong, whatever. It's kind of in all of us to do those things. But our personalities bring out some traits over other traits that kind of lend us one way or the other. I think as as women have gotten more powerful and more dominant in today's society, we're bringing out more of the effeminate men mm. who aren't as sure of themselves and they aren't as, you know, a lot of us are just crying that roar of, bring me a good man. Where's a strong, where's my, where's my man? Where's a man in all of them? You know, where did the men go? Mm-hmm. You know, where are the men from 20 years ago? Or why don't they want to? Why don't they want to stand up and protect me? Or it, all of these things? You know, sometimes, sometimes as women, we do kind of shush that all down because we're like, oh no, I'm woman. Hear me roar. Mm-hmm. I can do that for myself. You don't have to do that for me. Well, when you come together in sex, there has to be a dance. There has to be. Uh, leaning in, somebody leads, somebody follows, you know, that kind of a thing. And when those roles aren't kind of clear in a relationship, that can become very, very confusing in bed. Very, very confusing. So, again, not to say that one person needs to be one way. I like the woman could be the dominant and the male could. It happens all the time. There's dominant women with submissive husbands, uh, you know, it happens. And that's totally cool. That's a power exchange. That's what that is. But then when you get to the bedroom, you can't expect him to be, you know, like Tarzan, me Tarzan, you Jane, because that's not his role in the, in, you know, it's Mm -hmm. hard for them to flip a switch and get back into that headspace. So there have to be some awarenesses and acknowledgement of just some different, you know, the patterns that we set up, the routines and roles that we actually set up in our own lives mm-hmm. that cause us to fumble sometimes in the bedroom. What I was saying about society, society has really kind of uh, festered up this pit bull mentality. I think a lot of, as a dog trainer, you know, we went through the phase with the pit bulls where they were in these cages and they were being trained to fight and they Mm -hmm. were being run on treadmills all the time and fed gunpowder to make them mean. And then they'd fight to the death 
Sometimes I feel like us women have gotten on the treadmill and we're eating the gunpowder and we're having the heavy chains around our neck because we feel like we have to. We Mm -hmm. have to. And then we'll fight to the finish. It doesn't have to be that way. It's kind of that swing too far the other direction as people are trying to figure out what does this all mean. Right, right. I'm seeing it a lot in in my sessions that the pen like you said, the pendulum has swung where maybe I know that people change. I've changed a lot in my relationships, but when you start off not knowing who you are, then you find yourself and then you turn out to be somebody totally different than at the very beginning, either there needs to be communication and understanding or it's not going to work and somebody's going to be very unhappy. Mm-hmm. So this is where all the coaching stuff kind of comes in because you can peel back and you can say, oh, I can see that from her standpoint or I can see that from his side. Or if I put myself in their shoes, what would I be thinking? Or, you know, it's not all it's not all so black and white sometimes. Mm-hmm. And having somebody help you through that is huge, I think. Yeah. You know. Ultimately, I think everything comes down to a power exchange. Somebody's always in control. When you're walking your dog, Mm. who's in control? I see this meme on Facebook all the time. (laughs) Is the dog in control? Because the dog is pooping and you're picking it up. Or are you in control because you're walking the dog? I mean, really kind of think about some of this stuff. You know, when you're in a relationship, who you can exchange power. If once you know your own power, you can then lend it and not give it away. You can source to somebody and take it back. You know, it's a give and take thing back and forth like an electrical current like your refrigerator and you're being plugged into the wall, you've got energy and power and you're helping by refrigerating or freezing things. And, you know, it's interesting because I wonder if that concept is really hard for us Mm. to understand even how to do because people are trying to, in a sense, be 50-50. Yeah. There's so, there's a lot of focus on 50-50. Yeah. And that's not realistic. It's, and, and no, life is much more nuanced than mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. it, it's, yeah. So I'm, I, I think again, I think that, that, like you said, that's where the pendulum kind of come yeah. too far. And we're trying, everybody's trying to be so in the middle. Rigid. And yeah. yeah, that, that it's, that we lose kind of the reality of the situation. Right. Maybe, because again, we don't even know how to quantify that because I think there's, you're almost afraid to speak about power because right. you're afraid it's going to go back to the fifties. Right. Right. So, or, or it's going to be a dominant man pushing down a woman, you know, right. that kind of a thing, but that's not always the case. Right. When you dive into BDSM and, and kink and stuff, you see that there's a lot of very powerful women exerting <laughs> themselves. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, and guys are really turned on by it. I have I have a client who has her husband her husband's in the service and he's wearing pink her pink panties under his uniform oh, as 
as a femdom typed uh, while he is overseas. Uh, now, <laughs> how amazing is that? Right? right? What a connection right. they're they're right. keeping. Right. And they're keeping their sex life alive, and they're they're communicating, and they're they've still got the fire and all that kind of stuff, just by being playful and curious and finding yeah. ways to work things out. Yeah. So you know, there's. There's ways to do things, and someone like, I'm not a sex therapist. I'm not going to dwell in your past for long periods of time. You know, we might talk about who you are and how you got to where you are and what your situation is, but it's always forward-focused. Being a coach, we're going to the end line. We're looking for the goal. We're looking for a touchdown, your happiness, your authenticity. That is it. And moving the line down the field is my objective mm -hmm. to, to get us closer to that. So I, you know, I don't want to confuse people in thinking that, you know, they're going to come and, and deal with all of this weighty, heavy stuff in the background. They're going to accept that that's part of who they are mm -hmm. and move forward. That's the goal. Not may, maybe not dwell there and deal with it, but accept that it's part of their story and then open a new chapter and go forward. And I can, if you can wrap your head around that, I can see that you eventually will come back to that stuff yes. naturally, but you'll be able to come back with a different perspective a and a much, different lens. A much healthier point of view right. with much more clarity instead of victimhood or anger. You know, you get to a, a space where it's, you're already to the point where you're, you're healing and this is just helping it along to deal with it in little chunks here and there at your own pace, you know. And when you're working with, because again, I can see that that would be really helpful to have mm -hmm. both partners on board. Yes. I can also see that some people are just like, I have to do this for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm guessing you're also working with, so if it's a single person, a one half of a couple. Yes. That you're helping them figure out how to communicate with your with their partner? Yes. Okay. Because I'm thinking that would be, for many people, that would be the fear of like, okay, I've figured me out a little bit, but now how do I how do I work this into that relationship? And Yeah, and you know, a whole lot of that falls under the umbrella of assumptions. When we get to know people so well, when we're living with them and sleeping with them and brushing our teeth next to them every day. We know their bowel movements. We know everything about them, right? We automatically predict what their response will be when we say that we want to do this, that, or the other thing. Mm -hmm. We don't even allow for something different, or we don't even we don't even give ourselves the space to try to be creative and approach it from a different angle. <clears throat> because we already have it shut down in our mind that it will never happen. And that is not truth. That's, that may be what you've experienced in the past with a small t, true. But that is not truth because it hasn't happened yet. So keeping that rumination of failure going in your mind that this will never change. I can never have what I want. I will never be satisfied in this situation. She will never do that. <laughs> that does not set anybody up for progress. That is limiting and a big fear of rejection, failure, and the unknown. I think there are probably so many couples out there that if they could honestly communicate what they want sexually, <laughs> they would discover 
either they want way more they want way more mm-hmm. in their sex life and maybe more similar things or such even if they're drastically different things they'd be so shocked yeah. to know oh my gosh you really you yeah. know and i can't help but also think there's one thing that Fifty Shades of Grey did do. Oh. If nothing else, it opened up the conversation. Yes. How many people, they were able to come together and have a conversation. And it was like, oh, wow, you're even, oh, yeah, I've been interested in that for years. How many oh, my people gosh. are sitting at home saying, she went to see that movie? Not even having a conversation, but knowing or knowing that their spouse went to see it, that mm-hmm. they're curious or interested I bet that changed a couple bedroom scenes too. I would, I would imagine, but I would so much rather the communication be happening like you're yes. saying. But yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, the BDSM world—they, they just loathe that movie. I know because, because <laughs> it's I so out that. of the realm of right. reality. And that's—I think that is such an important conversation. We, we could have like yeah. a whole podcast <laughs> on that. And, and I would love to because I was—I I was very bothered by when. The the book when the book came out when I was in college, mm-hmm. the book came out and we we talked about it. It was talked about somewhat, but it was so focused on how bad the writing was mm-hmm. that nobody got to what I wanted to talk about was why is this book so interesting for money for so many yeah. people? What is what is the draw to it's the book? The dynamics, right? And what and, the and, power and I think it's dynamic very in there. And I think it's very complicated. I, I think there's nuances. Within that, she had a tremendous power over him. Right. And he had power over her. And together they had sparks. It was synergy. There was just amazing chemistry between the two of them. And it's it's fascinating. Of course, money was a big thing. You don't have to have money to be in BD. I know know plenty (laughs) of people with horse barns that look like they're just a horse barn that have all kinds of fun stuff in them. You know, you don't have to be a millionaire to be wielding domination. And, you know, it's, it's a mindset. Mm -hmm. We could have a whole nother podcast. Yeah, I know. And I'm, I'm down. We could talk about 24 (laughs) seven. We could talk about total power exchange, what it means to be a slave versus a submissive. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff to talk about. Right. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, well, and I'm game because I, I mean, I truly think I love the work that you're doing because I think this is so important. And I think, I think the inability to communicate about sex has ruined more relationships and more marriages than, than we give it even the credit for. And I think some people it's, it's, they, they can't even talk about it enough to talk about how much it was a painful piece for them or a broken piece or you know, I, I just think it's a very complicated thing, and our, our culture doesn't help. You know, yes. and then and then people are trying to be so open and so inclusive. Again, I was listening to I was listening to something, and this woman was calling about her child. I think there were two two women with two different kids, and one kid she was calling about. The kid was three, I think, and he was 
peeing on people. And he thought it was funny to pee on people. And she was like, what do I do with this? Because I don't want to, I don't want to like make him feel bad and tell him not to pee on people and tell him people don't like being peed on because some people do like being peed on. And and I don't want, and it was like the whole, he's three. You don't need to sexualize this yet. You know, we need to, we need to deal with this action and in the way that we need to deal with this action and, and not sexualize. And somebody else was talking about their kid again. I think it was like, three-year-old kid who was having, in their words, a raging hard-on. And they're like, no, 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 he's having an erection. A yes. raging hard-on is what a person, you know, a guy does when yeah. they watch porn, right. you know. And and so, try, but trying to be in these open parents and raise their kids without shame and Mm. fear and so again that's that pendulum that's going we don't we don't even know how to do this now because we're trying to open the doors so wide you're right the whole aspect of natural human development and sexuality is all that's a whole nother subject i Mm -hmm. mean there's certain points in a person's life uh male and female they can be different and most times they are where different sexual impulses and stuff actually happen and occur with knowledge, without knowledge, just because it's pleasurable, because they're stimulated, the hormones, all of that sort of stuff. When the brain fully develops, that doesn't, that doesn't even happen until you're between 25 and 27 years old. Your brain isn't fully developed Mm -hmm. for you to understand the consequences of your actions and what you really, the impact that things have on your whole life versus just that moment. Right. So human development uh, and sexuality is just a whole nother subject. I mean, we could just start the list right now of all our future podcasts, but it's a fantastic fantastic thing to talk about because that if people were educated just on that piece alone mm-hmm. it would help calm a lot of people's anxiety around sex and their children or or normal and abnormal behaviors or does my child have too much screen time or you know all of these things mm-hmm. that can be impacting their sexual development right well and i'm thinking something you said there of the whole our brains aren't fully formed until we're, you know, 25, 27 years Mm -hmm. old, right? So we don't understand the consequences of our actions, which on one side of the fence, you can say, and that's exactly why people shouldn't be Mm -hmm. sexual, you know, explore sexuality. And on the other side, you could, well, A, and and my argument with that would be, but if we can talk about it, they can have a head start. Another argument would be, then should we allow people to get married before they're 25? Because you have no idea of the consequences of your actions and you know to an extent right i mean it's we are we're still forming right so that argument can be made on that other side too of not that i'm saying people shouldn't get married but but i'm saying that it is another conversation just about tinder the Mm -hmm. idea of swiping left and swiping right Mm -hmm. and just hookups that the generation coming up today is more about just satisfying their needs than than having a commitment and how safe or unsafe is that Mm -hmm. how many partners will they have before they get married will they have a better sexual uh, authenticity when they come to their marriage or will they be so used up because they didn't approach it you know in an experimental uh, safe way Mm -hmm. will they just be so used up that sex was so 
incredible, such bad experiences, you know, with this guy and this guy and this guy or this girl and that girl, you know, that once they get married, then sex isn't important anymore. Right. And you're not, you're not learning to communicate about it. You're learning how to get through one interaction. Right. Right. So there are just so many areas to talk about. (laughs) So many, so, so many. But I thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about it because like I said, I can talk sex all day long. (laughs) It's It's a fascinating and very faceted subject. It's, it's huge. It's so huge. And we get, you know, what, what amount of time in fourth grade? And then, you know, I mean, (laughs) no kidding. What is it? The The dreaded. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The the, movie from the seventies. Right. It's like, uh, and everybody walks out going, okay, I don't even know what I was getting from that. And I'm I'm really scared because now I have to go sit in the room with the boys again. And oh my gosh, you know, yeah. Yeah. So tell people, first of all, talk about your book a little bit and, and, and if you want to share about that and how to find it and then talk about how to connect with you and kind of maybe even a little bit what that looks like. And we know you work with, you know, individuals and couples, but if you want to say a little more about that as well. Sure. Well, please check out my book. Uh, even it's available on Kindle and Amazon. It's called Crossing the River Called Suffering. I'll give Judy, Judy a link to where to go to my author page. It tells you a little bit more about the book and about me as a person on the author page. There's a little bio section there. The book really is uh, X-rated. So if you're not really, it's not considered so much erotica since it was experimental and more of a... um, inner dialogue with myself but it is a memoir that is pretty raw so i'll just put that out there you know if you like that kind of stuff you'll really love the book (laughs) if you're curious about that stuff it's a great place to start if you're really turned off by the idea of talking about different parts of your body and pleasure and how things happen and you know, then maybe it's not for you. Or maybe it's a gateway well, into being Well, that's being what I'm saying. To, right? You know, if you're <laughs> yeah. curious, it's yeah. a wonderful way to start because it honestly was me going from somebody who hardly had had any sex. I mean, I had four children, so we did have sex, but I didn't have any idea of the world that was out there outside of this, you know, like it was like blinders off Mm -hmm. and it's very real and it's very conversational. So it's not like, uh, you're not going to be reading like a doctor's paper or something with all (laughs) kinds of footnotes and stuff. It's really just basically what I thought, what I was feeling, what my observations were through a lot of different sexual situations. So it's called crossing the river called suffering. And that title is really important because the water in a river is natural. Water flows. Water finds a way. What force of nature, think of a dam breaking open, that the force of water can even cut through rock. Mm -hmm. So when the dam breaks open, when you let nature take its course, you will find your way. That's really, it's a very beautiful picture. And the suffering was actually the realizing that through the marriage uh, to my ex-husband and all the abuse that I had gone through and stuff, a lot of that I took on myself because I really stuck to my vows and I really was a very loyal wife and I was doing all the things I should do. But the water broke free and I found my way. So crossing the river called suffering. 
Now, to find me on my website, it's thepowerexchange, all one word, dot co, C-O, dot com was taken. Ah, okay. <laughs> so we'll just leave the M off. It's thepowerexchange.co, or you can look up Patricia Engel King and it'll take you to the website. So I have a Facebook group, uh, you know, all kinds. There's an author page. There's a Power Exchange group on Facebook. I can be reached through many different avenues. You can phone, text, call, whatever, um, message. And then was there, oh, the working with individuals and couples. Basically, uh, the way it works is I sell packages of sessions because okay. nothing is going to really be accomplished in one phone call. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a little bit of time. And a good old Dr. Phil quote is, you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. You can't change what you don't acknowledge. Sometimes it takes a couple sessions to even acknowledge what's really going on. So you buy a package of sessions There's different ways, payment arrangements, monthly, quarterly, whatever, and we go from there. And they can be renewed. I coach in every aspect of life. Like I said in the beginning, it all kind of affects our sexual life. But you may just find that after you've developed a relationship with me regarding sex, that you still want to maintain me as a coach through other parts of your life. Because if we can work through a big thing like this, mm-hmm. it's very easy to talk to me about uh, issues you're having with your mother or something that's going on at work. You know, right. it's a much easier conversation because we've tackled something so intimate already and the depth that you kind of know somebody there's a lot of groundwork a whole lot of trust a whole lot of trust sessions are very discreet and private i'm very careful about protecting people's identities because some people are very touchy about this Uh, some people are coming to terms with their sexuality as far as coming out being gay Mm -hmm. some people again have done things that they're not proud of and that they want to kind of deal with. Other people are looking at making changes in their relationships and they're just not quite sure how to approach the other party yet. And in all of this, the ultimate goal, again, is that the person owns what it is that they feel Whatever is true to them. Okay. Yeah. And you work with people, you said, over the Internet. Do you also work in person? I can meet in person. Okay. The, I mean, it's honestly, there's just kind of a nice barrier there with the phone and the, and the internet doing phone conferencing, you know, via the internet. It's, it provides a degree of separation okay. because of the intimacy of mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Trust can be a problem if other, if a partner is involved or something like that. I don't want anybody to get mixed signals about, because I like to look in people's eyes when I talk. It's some people misconstrue that for that. I'm really into them, uh-huh. you know, so, <laughs> you know, I really am into their story <laughs> and what's going on with them, but it, I don't, you know, there's just little lines that you boundaries you put up around yourself professionally to make sure that, that it's all, everything's being handled properly. Right. So okay. just little degrees of separation are healthy in this aspect. I do meet in person sometimes. Okay. Like I said, if I'm hitting a wall, 
I may it may be like being called to the principal's office. Mm. Like, oh, <laughs> I I I get in my my pencil skirt and a and a white top and I tie my hair up and I got my my professor glasses on <laughs> my li- my sexy librarian look and I'm like I'll get, break out the ruler and I'm like all right now <laughs> let's get down to business. What is really happening here? You know, I'm just teasing, but. Um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes a little shakeup is, is what's necessary. And I really do try to come at things from a playful, fun place because I, sex shouldn't be so heavy. It shouldn't be so hard mm-hmm. to talk about. Well, and if, if you can add the fun in there, then yeah. the hard stuff is easier to talk about. Right. Too, right. So if you can laugh and giggle about things, I have this this talent for making anything dirty. I've got lots and lots of puns and I, I'll just giggle in the middle of saying something. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I just said that, yeah, you know, and it just kind of breaks some of the, the seriousness. It is a very, it's a serious topic to discuss, but I'm a coach and that means encouragement coming alongside, not beating people down. I'm just not about that. So well, this has been fun. Thank you I so much. So I love learning about what you do. And just this is a fun conversation to have. Good. So <laughs> any time, any time at all. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just going to give you Patricia's information again one more time. Her website is The Power Exchange. And the name of her book is Crossing the River Called Suffering. And her last name is spelled E-N-G-E-L-K-I-N-G. I'm in the process of reading her book. I'm holding it up, showing you on this audio recording. I don't know what that's about. Um, (laughs) But I'm in process of reading her book. I'm about a third of the way through and she's still laying the kind of basic groundwork and history. So we have an understanding of, of who she is and where she's coming from. Thank you so much for listening. You can listen to other episodes of the podcast at wellnessrenpodcast.com. And I just want to make a note of this because somebody pointed out to me that they didn't realize this, that if you click on the actual episode as opposed to just going and hitting the play button, if you click on the title of the episode where it turns kind of highlights a purplish color, you will get the whole notes and contact information. So if you're ever looking for that, you can go and click on the episode and then new page pops up and it has all of the information about the episode and contacts and information of things talked about in the episode as well. So just found somebody who wasn't aware of that and thought I would mention that because usually if there's one person, there's some other folks who that information is helpful as well. You can also subscribe on iTunes or look for the Wellness Renaissance podcast on other podcast listening applications on your phone or smart devices. Thank you so much to those of you who have shared the podcast and podcast episodes. It really, really is fantastic and helpful, and I am really grateful and really do appreciate it. So if you like the work that we're doing here and you think something might strike someone's fancy, don't hesitate to pass on the episode, or if you got to this episode through an email, feel free to forward that on. And for those of you who are Amazon shoppers, if you want to take a couple extra clicks, go to the wellnessrenpodcast.com website, click the link on the banner that says support the podcast. You're going to head into all of the items we have had on the show 
And so if you are looking to purchase Patricia's book, go to the website if you don't mind, and then we get a tiny little piece of that. And remember, that doesn't cost you a thing. It is simply an affiliate program, so you're not charged anything extra at all. It is simply a piece of that purchase comes to support the podcast. So think of us when you purchase items that we've mentioned on the show, um, but also think of us when you make those bigger purchases. TV, bedroom set, kitchen table, printer ink. Printer ink is quite an investment these days. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just saying... The drop in our bucket is a little bit bigger and it's just a couple clicks away. And if you would like to be a financial supporter and bless all of you who have stepped up to do that, just really appreciate your commitment and support. All you have to do is go to the wellnessrenpodcast.com website and you're going to see the red banner on the left that says become a patron and it'll take you to our Patreon page. And as I've mentioned in other podcasts, it's kind of the, it's kind of similar to the whole supporting the NPR thing, except that I don't have NPR behind me. It is just me, myself, and I, or supporting artists the way that we used to in times past. And some are actually getting back to today, hence the existence of Patreon. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, please continue to find pieces that fit into your health and wellness puzzle. Take good care.